Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are listening. We are so glad that you are taking the time to be with us at All of the Above, where we love talking about philosophy of ministry, we love talking about being the church, we love talking about theology, we love talking about everything related to following Christ and bringing honor uh, to Him. So we call this All of the Above because we want to talk about it all. My name is Aaron Markham. I am one of the pastors at Ridgewood Church, and I am here uh, with my good friend and co-pastor, Trevor Hoffman. Trevor, what's going on? Greetings. So Just glad. enjoying some sparkling water today. Love it. I don't understand sparkling water. Um, it tastes it's, gross. That's all I'm... It's like your favorite soda without the flavor. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't make sense. Um, all right. So because of our, our topic this... Uh, morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening, is going to be about people uh, not going to church. Trevor, I wanted to ask you, what was one hard part about pastoring in 2020, and then what was one good part? So when we kind of maybe stopped gathering physically um, all together, for us, it was, I think, a couple months, if I'm not totally mistaken. Um, it was a very weird season. What, what was a hard part about pastoring in 2020 what was a what was a good part yeah the hard part would probably be just not being able to see everybody um we had 12 weeks there or so where we pretty much everybody stayed in their homes you know um so not being able to see everybody was tough having to do these constant jitsi we didn't use zoom we used jitsi do you remember jitsi jitsi meetings um and uh is Jitsi even a thing still? I wonder. I bet I'm sure it exists. It's like a, it's like Zoom. You but just... everybody has PTSD that's listening to this. That's a part of our church. Yeah, I don't even like thinking about it. Um, yeah, it was pretty rough. That was pretty rough. The the Jitsi community group meetings and stuff. Um, not seeing everybody. Um, and also the intense polarization and politicization of everything and everything was heated mm. everything was heated everything was charged with with um um with, with the most intense emotions i mean everything was and mm-hmm. um and you, you felt like every word you said was you had to very carefully weigh um so yeah that, that that's what comes to mind for me um as far as the parts that were enjoyable um about pastoring during that time. I think we saw, I think uniquely for us, because we were given the building during 2020, it gave us kind of a thing on the other side of COVID mm-hmm. to look forward to and to work towards. And so I think that was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. That Zoom call, that the, the one Zoom call I've enjoyed in my life was the one where we announced that we'd been given the building yep. and we took a vote on whether or not to receive it. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. That's great. I probably still have the screenshots from, I think we were at the beach and did that meeting and I, you know, did a, you know, command, whatever it is, command shift three to yeah. have the hands, you know, voting on, uh, the ability to take that building, uh, or take this building. So yeah, uh, that, that's great. That's really helpful and encouraging. We, um, Trevor and I recently read an article about people leaving the church. So a discouraging, um, really negative, um, Thing that we obviously don't love people you know we i would often hear stats of like the church getting smaller and smaller the sbc is getting smaller and smaller all really denominations are losing people people are leaving the church um 
attendance is lowering. Um, 40 million people have stopped going to church in the past 25 years, I think is what that article um, articulated. Trevor, what are the reasons that we might assume people are leaving the church? Um, yeah, and if I could, could I mention the title of the article please. real quick? Yeah, so... The article, the article is called The Misunderstood Reasons Millions of Americans Stop Going to Church. Uh, the subtitle says, The defining problem driving people out is just how American life works in the 21st century. And so this is a guy named Jake Meter who writes for a blog called Mere Orthodoxy. I've kind of followed for several years now and have appreciated a lot of what he's got to say. Um, certainly don't agree with everything, but have appreciated a lot of what he says. And, and thought this was a really interesting article. He's He read a book that was released recently called The Great Dechurching. I'm fairly certain is the title. Yep. And the, right. the problem is that stat you just mentioned, that 40 million people stopped going to church in the past 25 years, which is significant. I mean, this is a turn, a, a, a historical turn in the uh, in the West, That's in right. the United States. Mike, so it's Michael Graham and Jim Davis, The Great Dechurching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? Yeah. And... What was really interesting about the article was he, he was talking about the reason that these guys offer for why we've seen this shift. Um, and some of the usual suspects are things like secularism. It's, excuse me, it's rising secularism. It's rising um, progressive thought. It's uh, atheism. It's abuse in the church. It's rising wokeism or whatever. Those are some of the usual things that we think or... Uh, you know, we tend to think on the the person that's on the other side of the political aisle from us. It's their fault. That's why the de-churching is happening. But the conclusion that they come to is that it's the overly busy, achievement-obsessed shape of American life in 2023. Um, here's a quote from Jake Meter, again, who's talking about this book. He says, Consider one of the composite characters that Graham and Davis use in the book to describe a typical evangelical de-churcher. It's a 30-something woman who grew up in a suburban megachurch who was heavily invested in a campus ministry while in college, then after graduating, moved into a full-time job and began attending a young adults group in a local church. In her 20s, she meets a guy who is less religiously engaged. They get married, and at some point early in their marriage, maybe their first or second child is born, they stop going to the church. Maybe the baby isn't sleeping well, and when Sunday morning comes around, it's simply easier to stay home and catch whatever sleep is available as the baby finally falls asleep. He goes on to say, it's less like jumping off a cliff and more like driving down a slope, eventually realizing that you can no longer see the place that you started from. So th what they say and what, you know, I, I, I think kind of jives with my experience is it's not any of these things necessarily that's driving people out of church. It's this slow kind of drift. It's uh, life kind of gets in the way and... Um, you start to build habits or start to lose habits, and then you wake up one day and you realize, man, I've, I have not been involved or engaged in a church in, in some time. What that's, do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I was um, actually talking with uh, uh, Casey and Bianca Pegram uh, the other day, and we were talking about um, how easy it is to, to see um, really those that maybe we've been close with um, in the past that maybe we've even been in church with or we went we did college ministry with and kind of see them, you know, five, ten years later and see kind of their lives when it's disconnected from the church and then when it's 
connected to the church. Like when we think about our church, no one is more connected uh, than Clark and, and Bianca. Um, and it, and there's something really kind of magical, but also like just building habits of being in mm. community together that is really helpful. And then it's pretty sad when, when we see, yeah, you know, the 32 year old with two kids, that's just kind of separated. That doesn't really have anyone um, yeah. in the end. Like maybe they have some family members, but has just no context for community, no context for relationship. In the article, he said, contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality, care, or common life. Things mm. we see in the scriptures laid out for Christians very much so. Rather, contemporary America is designed to maximize individual accomplishment as defined by professional and financial success. So it's just interesting to think about how we can set our lives up around, you know, probably in our 20s, our success, and then kind of the, our, you know, 30s to 40s is still our success, but then also the success of our kids. You know, who's going to, who's going to, how quickly are they going to read and walk and, and, and write and hit homers and, mm. you know, do all the things. Mm. Um, and we set ourselves up around all of that, and yet none of it, none of it brings fulfillment none of it really matters, you know, in the end. Um, yeah, and, and I bet if you, I mean, the thing, the point that I think is really, really helpful is this point that, you know, you could argue that it's nefarious forces that are behind are disengaging from church, right? Like the enemy does not want us in church. But what they're saying is it's kind of just banal, boring day-to-day decisions that result in, people just drifting away from church. Basically, just American life and our obsession with success, um, just kind of crowding it out. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, and, you, and you, you talk with, you know, the, you said the 32-year-old or whatever, he's got a couple of kids who's disengaged, uh, who's disengaged or disconnected for a while, and you say, you know, you ask them about church, and there's going to be like, a man, I, I need to get back. I would like to get back. But when Sunday morning rolls around, you know, brunch with friends is more appealing or, or blueberry waffle morning is more appealing or quote unquote family time, which probably just looks like scrolling on phones. Like that's, that's the decision that's made instead of, instead of being in church. Yeah. I I think we see, you know, maybe even we're going to get into kind of what can we do about it, but even just kind of one encouragement that immediately jumps off the page based on what you share, what you just shared is just intentionality around time and our calendars and what we do. Um, not that everything we do has to have like eternal purpose of the highest extent, um, but just recognizing, yeah, I mean, you, we, you and I've done a couple of podcasts around technology or time or those kinds of things. Like everything we choose to do is say no to to something else. So what are we going to set up our lives uh, around is a is an important thing to think through. So Trevor, what are they? What is the article? And then also just in your own opinion what what can we do you know about this overly busy achievement obsessed shape of american life that exists really quick before so that's really quick you mentioned the sports thing jake meter the guy who wrote this article he wrote kind of a follow-up article and he was talking about um maybe some of the some folks have pushed back on the what the uh what these authors have proposed that the church decline isn't these nefarious forces, it's kind of just more boring day-to-day decisions that have resulted in losing a good habit. Uh, folks have pushed back, and so he, he writes a follow-up article, and basically he just, he kind of lands it on youth sports, and he's like, 
if you talk to any pastor in the world, one of the things that they'll say is they're battling parents allowing their schedules to be dominated by their kids' sports team responsibilities. And he gave two pastors who offered these tweets kind of as, as examples. And one pastor tweeted, I don't know who this guy is. He's just linked in this Jake Meter article. He says, as a heads up to fathers out there, I have yet to talk to a family who chose travel ball, basketball, whether that be baseball, soccer, football, etc. I've yet to talk to a family who chose that, that one, came out the other side stronger as a family, two, didn't express regret at the financial outlay, and three, saw their kids grow in Christ. So it's like, you want to identify one thing, like one kind of booger that's seemed to contribute to the great deterching of America. It is our obsession with seeing our kids hit home runs. <laughs> you know, when there's a point zero 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 one percent that they're ever going to do it. Your kid is not going to play professional <laughs> sports. Right. I'm just going to go ahead and, and say it. Of hey, the I, 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 how I, many uh, people, your kids? What? How many listeners do we have? Hundred normally, hundred fifty. However many we have, I feel there almost. Are of them. I would be willing. I don't bet, but I'd almost be willing to. Yeah, we have dozens neither of, of their listeners. neither of our listeners' kids will go pro probably. Yeah, none none of our kids will go pro in in sports or probably something of that you know nature. Right, I'm a professional dancer or something like right. that. Right, right, and I you know I I think that's just a good thing for us to hear and for us to really think about like what are the things that we are devoting our family to? What what are we training our kids to love and training our kids to be about? And if it's like, you know, they're signed up for every sport conceivable plus, you know, trumpet lessons plus swimming lessons, it's like, man, there's a gaping hole. There's, there's something missing there, you know? If, if church attendance and involvement is sacrificed at the altar of that stuff, I'm like, man, you should really rethink that. Yeah, um, and same with, you know, family discipleship or, or some of those aspects that's right know, yeah just wanting to ensure even i've been thinking in recent days like what do i want for audrey you know as i think about her um what do i want her to to grow into and it's like man i want her to know god and love him you know love him forever so know his word mm. love love singing mm. um so it's like what are those things that are most important really really be honest about that and then kind of shape your life around those things rather than Maybe what our our American culture would say to to do. All right, what else? What else can we do? We've hit on a few things that well, are kind of practical. What, here's what Jake Meter recommends. He says, you know, maybe the answer to this is not lowering the bar for church involvement. He says, what we, um, the answer is actually calling people to a better and more encompassing vision of the Christian life. He says, quote. What if the problem isn't that churches are asking too much of their members, but that they aren't asking nearly enough? In other words, the answer to this is not to, again, lower the bar and um, expect less of people's involvement in church. It's actually to hold up involvement in the life of the church as a, 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 an all-encompassing ordeal that requires every bit of us, that requires our, our hearts and our minds and our schedules and our wallets, and our int- uh, attention, and everything in between. Um, he, he writes, A vibrant, life-giving church requires more, not less time and energy from its members. It asks people to prioritize one another over our careers, to prioritize prayer and time reading the scripture over accomplishment. This may seem like a tough sell in the area of de-churching, if people are already leaving, especially if they are leaving because they feel too busy and burned out to attend church regularly. Why would they want to be a part of a church that asks so much of them? 
He says, the problem is that many Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, anxious, and uncertain of how to live in community with other people. The tragedy of American churches is that they have been so caught up in the same world that, they, that we now find that they have nothing to offer these suffering people that can't, born, can't be more easily found somewhere else. American churches have too often been content to function. Goodness, I cannot read today. It's this um, Oreos that I ate a minute ago. It's made my mouth very sore. It's probably the low lighting in this room, and we can't turn on the lights. we got to be vibing really hard. Well, we're in my office, and it's a great mood, but let me try this again. He says, The tragedy of American churches is that they have been so caught up in this same world that we now find that they have nothing to offer these suffering people that can't be more easily found somewhere else. American churches have too often been content to function as a kind of vaguely spiritual NGO, an organization of detached individuals who meet together for religious services that inspire them, provide practical life advice, or offer positive emotional experiences. Too often it has not been a community that through its preaching and living bears witness to another way to live. And he says, so the answer is to be one of those communities that bears witness to another way to live, that lives life together, like really and truly, sacrificially together. Yeah, I appreciate it. At a different point in the article, he talks about um, that the problem in front of us is not that we have a healthy, sustainable society that doesn't have room for church. It's like, okay, yeah, we have a great society. There's just there's so many great things, we just don't quite have room for church. The problem is that many Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, mm. anxious, and uncertain of how mm. to live in community with other people. It is amazing, like, just the basic question of, like, are you capable of building a new friendship? Um, that is that is has depth to it that mm. you are going to um, not just be taking you are going to be giving and giving and giving um, and how how hard it is to to actually build relationship connect be vulnerable care for one another um, later on in the article he he says the theologian Stanley Howard Ross captured the problem well when he said that pastoral care has become obsessed with the personal wounds of people in advanced industrial societies who have discovered that their lives lack meaning. The difficulty is that many of the wounds and aches provoked by our current order aren't of a sort that can be managed or life-hacked away. They are resolved only by changing one's life, by becoming a radically different sort of person belonging to a radically different sort of community. So we can't life-hack, we can't read all the books on time and uh, you know whatever else we want to read and, and make it all happen. We've just got to radically re- reorient our lives towards Christ and towards one another. Dude, I think about, golly, this may have been the last podcast we recorded, the one about um, being a community maker versus community taker. And I talked about that Mark Sayers, um, you have the freedom and the meaning in the community bucket and how the freedom bucket is overflowing, but the community and meaning buckets are completely empty. And... Um, like I, I think this article is very much hitting on those things that our our freedom bucket is overflowing, and we are kind of always trying to max out the number of things we're free to do. But in order for us to have like wholeness and to flourish, we need community, and we need like actual community, like actual people in our lives that we weep with and rejoice with and live sacrificially alongside, and that requires us to put limits or constraints around our freedoms. Um, and so I think this article is saying that what churches need to do is reclaim a vision for um, restricting freedoms for the sake of establishing community. And like that's kind of the path to life kind of thing. Um, and I think that's, I think that's 
Right on. So, yeah. so maybe you don't need to eat brunch on some. Maybe you need to be at church at Ridgewood or Victor Baptist or Christ Fellowship Cherrydale or wherever it is. Like, you need to choose to uh, re- restrict those freedoms so that you can obligate yourself to a people and find your, you know, find yourself in, in a in a community of people who will love you and who you can love and care for. Yeah, that's great. And and we see even Jesus calling his first disciples to you know, abandon the plow, leave their fishing nets, um, even leave their parents behind and commit to him and to follow him and to commit, you know, ultimately to uh, his church. Um, We need a church that will invest deeply in one another. Um, So if you're a part of Ridgewood, if you're not, man, we would just encourage you to buy in that little bit more, find one step, two steps you can take to, to push in, to invest in people, to love people. Um, and I think the Lord will, will use that to grow you and to uh, help you love him and love his church more. Cool. Can I land the plane on this quote? Please. Can I read this? He says, the great de-churching could be the beginning of a new moment for churches, a moment marked less by aspiration to respectability and success with less focus on individuals aligning themselves with American values and assumptions. We could be a witness to another way of life outside conventionally American measures of success. Churches could model better, truer sorts of communities, one in which the hungry are fed, the weak are lifted up, the proud are cast down. Such communities might not have the money, success, and influence that many American churches have so often pursued in recent years. But if such communities look less like those churches, they might also look more like the sorts of communities Jesus expected his followers to create. good stuff well great place to close Trevor thanks for taking the time Um, pray that you will be encouraged uh, to push in to one another um, to hold one another accountable and to uh, love the the local church and to love those that God has put you around Uh, thanks for listening all above we'll talk with you again soon